1: Episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. You can reach the show by tweeting us on our new Twitter handle at Championship Pod. I'm your host Louis Shackshaft. I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan, and you can reach me on Twitter at Louis Shackshaft.
3: Hi, I'm Andy Buckley Taylor, uh, representing Derby County on the podcast uh, on Twitter at bucktaylor64, and I also do a blog,
0: the Derbyshire Times, group of newspapers. I am Kevin. I'm the editor of Leeds in Mad. Uh, Twitter handle Leeds United underscore Mad. I represent Leeds um, on a weekly, daily basis, and um, I enjoy doing this part very much.
1: Thank you for joining me today, guys. Um, firstly, I'd just like to say we've got a birthday boy on the podcast, so happy birthday to Andy! Um, happy birthday, have- Andy. Yeah, happy birthday, mate! We don't—I'm not going to reveal your age on the podcast, but you know, um, <laughs> it's a—it's a—it's a pleasure having you with us today. Um, but what we're going to do is—thank uh, you, for, guys. <laughs> <laughs> now you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Like I say, it's a pleasure. Uh, but firstly, we're going to go straight into the topics. Um, so, with Christmas fast approaching, and obviously the halfway stage of the season, um, just before Christmas Day, um, we're just wondering. Who do you think has been the manager of the season so far, if we start with you, Andy?
3: Um, well, looking beyond my own team, because I think um, Gary Rowett is within, in with a shout of uh, that title. Uh, I think Bristol City, Lee Johnson, I think he's done an absolutely tremendous job there. The, uh, in the past, he's had, um, in the higher echelons of the division, but he, he's lost players uh, such as like Jonathan Codger. And uh, last season, he had a bit of a struggle uh, to readjust the team and introduce new faces. And in fact, this season, he's without one of his main players from last season, Tammy Abraham, who hasn't returned on loan. But uh, he's managed to assemble yet again uh, a team that's performing very well. Uh, another good win yesterday, uh, Against our rivals from across Brian Clough Way, and they just seem to be doing it, you know, week in, week out. And uh, I, th- I think he's he's assembled what you'd term as a, a, a very well balanced team there. And uh, he he'd certainly, if if they stay uh, in the top six, he he would be one of the uh, best shouts, I think, for manager of the year if, if it stays like this towards the end of the season. And, uh, you know, I'll take my hat off to him. He, he's followed in his uh, father's footsteps as a manager. And I, I believe his father was also a previous Bristol City manager. Um, he's also done well at of clubs that he, he's managed. And uh, it, it's refreshing, actually, to see a team like Bristol City uh, at the top of the division and he's turned them into serious contenders so for me lee johnson
1: yeah i can't disagree with you i mean obviously lee johnson is is one of the, the picks of the bunch you know he's i've watched bristol city a lot this season and they play some fast attacking football and i think they probably one of the best teams to watch in the championship this season. Um, so, yeah, Lee Johnson's doing a fantastic job there. What are your thoughts, Kev, uh, Lee Johnson or anyone else?
0: Yeah, really? I agree. Lee Johnson, he's, he's done a great job. He, he went through a spell last season, I believe, where he, he couldn't even win a game. After, you know, I think he lost about eight games in about in ten or something, but... Fair play to the ownership. They sort of stuck with him. I think he had a similar sort of record at Barnsley in League One as well, but he went through a spell of not winning, but he must be a decent guy if people stick by him, because he's, yeah, he's doing a great job there, and it makes our win at Bristol even more unbelievable when we sort of gave him a 3-0 hiding, but that was a, certainly a one-off, because we were going through a terrible spell at the time. My personal choice, though, would be, obviously it's an obvious one, is um, Espirito Santo at, um, at Wolves. He's He's done a fantastic job. People who say that goalkeepers don't make good managers is obviously uh, quashing that at the moment because they're sort of running away with the league at the moment, I think. Um, Somebody described him as the Man City of the Championship last night, which might be a bit over the top, but he's not far away because they they seem to be fairly unbeatable at the moment. I mean, he he did a decent sort of job with Valencia when he was there for a season or so. Uh, Didn't pull up any trees with Porto. But, uh, obviously, Wolves have given him a chance. Of sort of Wolverhampton's become the uh, sort of a, a semi-Portuguese town, if you like. Really, with so many Portuguese uh, players in the in the squad, and obviously in the ownership, and uh, getting um, all the agents, sort of getting players in from uh, Portuguese clubs. So, I think yeah, he's, to say it's his first season in the Championship, which is one of the hardest leagues in the in the world to to make uh, an impact. He's done a terrific job in his first season, and. Um, I'd be very surprised if they don't, you know, get automatic promotion because you know he's done a he's done a terrific job. But uh, they seem to be rolling teams away at the moment. And um, uh, whilst like I say, Lee Johnson is doing a great job at City and Rowie at Derby is doing a fantastic job as well. You've also got got a look at uh, Nigel Clifford Burn if he if he keeps them in the league for another season, who's to say that you no? Know, he, he shouldn't be sort of applauded as well for doing a, a magnificent job there. So there's a few candidates, but uh, for me, I think um, Santa sort of takes it, uh, edges it from everybody else.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you've picked out uh, Clough and Burton as well, because like you say, you don't tend to look at the bottom of the table when picking out you know, managers who are, mm. who are doing exceptionally well. Um, and like you said, last season were as, as good as getting promoted for them by staying up. And if you can yeah. do that again, fair play. But like you said, Santo, obviously another great shout. I know it's easy to pick the team number one in the league, but with the amount of money they spend, it's it's easy to just fold as well and, and finish mm-hmm. halfway in the league. So obviously the overwhelming pressure that they, they have gone out and spent money that, you know, They're doing everything right at the moment. And I think that Wolves, uh, I could be wrong, but I think they're on course to even go and break some records and finish on potentially more points than any other championships teams done so. Um, But having said that, I'm glad Andy picked out Lee Johnson. I know you've picked out Santo Kev. So I'm going to throw it, and I hate to say it, but I'm going to have to say Neil Warnock. Um, And the reason I'm picking Warnock is because I think they're the surprise element as well as Bristol City this season. Like on paper they've they've gotten you know, a, a team of dare I say it, like like average championship players um and, and they're all just collectively performing as a team. And I think you've really got to take your hat off to them. It's it's obviously a, a huge team effort. And I think now with us hitting the halfway stage in the season that Cardiff City you've got to look at them as genuine promotion contenders. So um Fair play to them, and I believe that Cardiff City are the only team not to lose at home this season as well. And and as we all know, as fans in, in this league, if you can win your home games and pick up what you can away, there's every chance you will get promoted. Um, so, quite rightly so, fair play to those managers that we've mentioned. Um, obviously, Santo, Lee Johnson, Warnock, and even Clough at the bottom end. Um, but we're going to flip-reverse it now, and then the next topic we're going to discuss is... Obviously, when it gets to December and January, a lot of managers tend to get sacked after you know the Christmas and New Year. So we just wondered who you think could potentially be next in the firing line. So, what are your thoughts, Andy? Um, I think uh, I think there's two or
3: three candidates. Um, your manager's been under a bit of pressure recently. Um.
0: Also,
3: no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he's a couple of defeats away from the sack. Um, Fulham, Slavica, kind of Yucanovic, uh, they are this season's big underperformers. Last season, they were uh, attracting all the plaudits with nice, nice, attractive football. Um, towards the end of the season, they forced away into the playoffs. Didn't quite uh, do it. But uh, this season they're really, really struggling. In fact, they became the first team to lose at Sunderland in well, just under a year, wasn't it? And yeah, uh, yeah. you know, there's going to be pressure on uh, Slovenia. Although, I mean, I was speaking to the uh, the Fulham uh, podcaster from the show, Russ Goldman. He seems to think that the the ownership. Um, we'll give him to the end of the season. But if he's to turn things around, he's got to have a very, very good January and bring in a couple of faces that are going to get them scoring goals because it seems to be up front that they're really struggling. But uh, the, uh, the candidate I'm going to give it to, who I think will possibly be the next one to uh, pick up the P45, is Steve Cottrell at Birmingham. I think Birmingham, yet again, are struggling they made that monumental error and, and again it's around uh, about a year ago sacking Gary Rowett, you know I'm, I'm glad they did right like because um, <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> yeah I bet them. you are i bet you <laughs> are <laughs> but they have uh, they sacked in uh, Cottrells the third person in post uh, since that since then um, Harry Redknapp couldn't do anything spent a lot of money um, Steve Cottrell sort of moved in there. I mean, they've got, they got some very good players there, you know, the, the likes of Yotta for instance, but they just can't seem to get going. And I, I think it's uh, the problems there probably go beyond management and more towards uh, what's happening in the background. But they, they seem the, the sort of owners that uh, uh, they appear to be a bit trigger-happy and um, I'm sure, uh, you know, a a lot of people are are, are going to think that uh, Steve Cottrell possibly hasn't got uh, a lot of time left to change
1: things around. No, I think you're right. I mean, I'll I'll pick up from there because the name I've put down also is Steve Cottrell, Um, and the reason being they're just on a complete slump at the minute, and to be honest, I just... You know, a, a few months ago, it looked like Bolton were, were going to be the team what finished rock bottom. Well, they've done really well getting out of there. And, you know, they've, they're only two points off the playoffs, and, uh, playoffs off uh, coming out of the relegation now, uh. zone now, Bolton. But, yeah, I think Birmingham have hit a real slump. And, and they've only picked up two points away from home this season, which is, is dreadful. And, and even worse than that, they've only scored 11 goals all season. So that's only one goal every other game. Um, so yeah, Cotterell's the one for me, and I think if he was to get sacked, that a bit is that the fourth manager this this year. I think uh-huh. it is um, yeah. that 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 could be gone. Um, but it's it's interesting that you mentioned Fulham and Sheffield Wednesday, the managers there, because I think I mean I talked to Russ last uh, week on the podcast, and we both mentioned we, we're, we're both replicating each other at Sheffield Wednesday and Fulham, and I think that both chairmans at both clubs will give their managers till the end of the season and as much as the Wednesday fans are, are ready and want Carvajal to potentially leave now and you know now would be time for a, a change um, I think you know, his contract's up at the end of the year and the only way I can see him going is if he resigns and, and I've, I just can't see him doing it in the next few months if I'm honest, maybe he might do it at the end of January or February if we're still a million miles away but other than that, like Fulham, I think they'll just both get to the end of the season and then consider this this season a write-off. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Kev. What, what do you think?
0: Yeah, but there's some interesting names to... there. I mean, Birmingham was a weird one because when Birmingham came to Roy, I thought they were, the, they were a look at you not to get a result. To be honest, but they played really well that night. And C- Cottrell, for me seems to be he seems to be an excellent number two, but. As a number one manager, he doesn't seem to cut the mustard, really. And he was, he was the sort of pivotal in keeping Birmingham up with Harry Redknapp last season. You know, he was the brains behind the sort of, you know, succeeding to stay up. So as a number one, I don't think he, he, he sort of manages it himself, really. I think he's, he finds it tough, and he's finding it very tough at the moment. And he will be lucky to be in a job, I think, in the next few weeks if it continues. I mean, I'm going to pick an obvious name for Leeds fans here now. I think Gary Monk at Middlesbrough is under a lot of pressure. Yeah. Due, due to the it's a good due, shout, it's a good yeah. Shout. Due, due to the money, he spent more than anything. He spent a fortune on strikers twenty, twenty five million pounds on strikers, and they're not doing it for him really. And the last few games, they've been sort of very abject and very ordinary. I mean, looking, looking for uh, for Monk really is that um, uh, Steve Gibson is in charge of uh, the owner of the club. He's very faithful to his managers. I think he will give him time till the end of the season probably as well. But I think, he, you know, he's, he must be looking around his shoulder a little bit, being a, a little bit worried because there was talk about them sort of really cutting this league open at the start of the season and being a top-two candidate and they're nowhere near it at the moment. They're sort of uh, 15 points behind Cardiff, which is five games, which is a massive distances at this stage of the season. And they're sort of uh, five points behind the playoffs. I mean, they could still obviously make the playoffs at the end of the season if they start playing well. But I think he's... When they came to Ellen Road, you think that would have been a great game for Monk to sort of prove that he made the right decision in leaving Leeds to join Borough, but they were very ordinary that day, and 2-1 really um, flattered Middlesbrough that day as well. It should have been a lot more to us. Um, So, yeah, I think Gary Monk uh, is a very lucky man that Steve Gibson doesn't really go through his managers as easily as the guy at Birmingham does. Um, So I think even though he's sort of... 10th in the league at the moment i think he will get a chance to try and prove himself but i think he'd be very lucky um that he hasn't got another owner in charge
1: yeah I think you're right i think middlesbrough they, they seem to be winning one losing one at the minute they seem to be on that upwards mm, and yeah. downward spiral and i think like you say you know they were tenth at the minute and the, the five points off the playoffs but at the beginning of the season with wolves they were they were tipped to be you know, favourites for the league, yeah, uh, really. And I think if it does get to January and, you know, they, they have a, they've lost their next couple of games and they are, you know, 12th, 13th in the table, Gary Monk, Gary Monk could be in the firing line. So that is another good shout. Uh, but as we keep talking about January, uh, I'm interested to know, obviously, that the transfer window's op- opening from the 1st of January. If you could choose one player from any championship team, Um, who would you choose and why who would you bring into your club just that that one player alone that you know it might be a certain position or it might be somebody what gives you that spark but if you could choose a player who would it be so I'm interested to hear your thoughts Andy because obviously we are Derby 4th in the table at the minute where do you think your weaknesses are or who would you like at your club
3: Um, a couple of weaknesses uh, in our team a flair midfielder would be nice uh, which will give us the option of changing formation as well, but also, uh, that <coughs> position not entirely happy with. Um, Craig side has come in and to be fair to the guy, the last two seasons, he's had two serious injuries and he's struggling at times to get back to his, 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 the form that we know he's capable of. Uh, the, the, the only other option at the moment we've got is Marcus Olsen, who is you know, uh, a real inconsistent player. So it's a left-back uh, position that I've been looking to strengthen at. And uh, I'm going back to Fulham here because Ryan Sessegnon um, is uh, the player that I would go for, you know, if we, were, if we could uh, pick anybody out of the league at the moment because he would be filling uh, a need in the team and he'd be bringing something uh, new to the table because uh, I know a lot of people prefer him in midfield, but uh, I I would like him as an attacking left-back. It's a role that uh, I think if we could strengthen, that uh, we'd have even more of a chance of maybe gate crashing the top two. And I noticed when we played Fulham, he was um, constantly a threat down that left-hand side. Um, I think he's already picked up England under 21 on us, so uh you know, uh there's obviously he's been noticed by uh people uh, higher up in the game. Um I think he's a great uh, great young player and if, if, if and when he eventually moves away from Fulham, um gonna cost a lot of money. But uh it might it might surprise some people but Sessignon is is a player that I think could uh Really turn us into the finished article.
1: Yeah, Cessignon's a fantastic talent. I mean, I've seen a lot of him this year, and I think, like what you said, it's interesting that predominantly they've had him down as a left back. But when he's pl- played on the left wing and midfield, his his attacking presence is is fantastic at his age. I mean, he grabbed an at-trick, I believe, didn't he, against Sheffield United, and and from then on, is you know, in the attacking third, is just a a force to be reckoned with, really, and he's going to have a real bright future. So, like you've like you've done, Andy, it's it's interesting. You've you've picked an area of weakness. So, Sesignon's obviously a, a cracking shout. What about yourself, uh, Kev? Who would you, you know, be in favour of, of taking t- to Leeds United if you could?
0: Well, we're quite toothless up front at the moment. We've got Ekiban, who's a young striker that we bought in in the summer, who's going to be out injured for another six weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh hasn't actually scored for us yet, but he's, uh, he looks quite powerful up front. And I think after a few games, I think he would have been a, a fairly decent striker. But obviously, we'll have to wait a little while longer now. Lasaga's another one. He's on loan from Hamburg at the moment. Uh, he's been out injured uh, or ill for the last sort of six or seven games, and we don't know when he's going to come back. Um, Roof obviously got a hat-trick against QPR playing up front last week, which was a terrific hat-trick, but... Um, yeah. I don't think he's the ideal um, solution up front. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I'd take one of Andy's players at Derby. Actually, he's got loads of strikers there. I mean, if he could give us one of his strikers, I think we'd be quite happy to take one of them off off his hands, really. Um, But looking at the opposition yesterday, Norwich, I think Oliveira would be uh, an ideal solution. He he seems a very arrogant type of player, but he's he's full of little tricks and he's... He's, he does score his fair share of goals as well. When he was up for us, he scored a few goals against us as well. And obviously, had a good, uh, goals per ratio there, uh, per game ratio. And uh, he played quite well yesterday, I thought. So, uh, Olivier, um, it's slotting nicely into our team, I think, at the moment. But and then again, we are so short, short on strikers. You know, I think, um, as long as he's an established sort of championship player, it's always difficult, to, difficult to get players in January because, usually the tight to the clubs and they don't want to give away the best players anyway, especially to championship rivals. So it's always difficult to get decent players in. But if we could get one player uh, to sort of improve the team, it would be a striker that could chip in with his fair share of goals. So um, anybody like Olivier would be nice. Or like I say, somebody from Derby that's not being used at the moment will slot in quite nicely as well, I think.
1: Well, it might turn out you get a player on loan from Sheffield Wednesday because the amount of strikers we've got, you know, <laughs> it, it's unbelievable. And, and as Andy knows, they've got Sam Winnall from us. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. But it's like you say, a striker in this league is, is worth the weight in gold. I mean, we only have to look at last season what Dwight Gale did at Newcastle and ultimately yeah. his goals alone you know, they just kept climbing the table and, and, and stayed there, basically. So, yeah, they're, they're worth the weight in gold. And it's interesting, but I've I've not gone for a striker, even though we're not scoring goals. Um, but I, you know, before the season began, I'd have probably have picked a player like Tom Cairn. I think it's a fantastic talent, but obviously, you know, he's been, been injured the majority of the season and, and only just been recently returning to, to playing games. Um So I narrowed it down to two players, which was Aidan Flint at centre-back and Barry McKay at uh, Nottingham Forest. And I love Flint. If he was at Sheffield Wednesday, it would be a fantastic sign-in. I mean, I think he's actually worthy of playing in the Premier League um, as of maybe, you know, he might might get picked out by a a Premier League club in in the summer and Bristol City will do really well to hold on to him. But I'm going to say Barry McKay just simply because... Sheffield Wednesday, one of their weaknesses this season, Is has been on the right wing. Um, I mean, Ross Wallace has done really well this last couple of seasons. I think he's got seven goals, seven assists both seasons in the last two years. And this season, I think he's only got the one goal and no assists. So, Barry case stood out for me because he's, he's, he's scoring goals. He's got five goals and seven assists this season. And, and if we'd have had that, you know, this season, um, this league term... I think that would have been the difference between us being where we are at the minute, which is 15th and maybe 6th, 5th and 6th in the league. Um, so, yeah, for me, I'm going to pick out Barry McKay. Um, I think he's been fantastic for Nottingham this season, and, and quite rightly so. And he's he's only relatively young, so he's he's probably going to have a, a great future. And he might be another one when it comes to January and the summer next year that Premier League teams are looking at. Um but that moves us on into the next stage. So basically, before we review and preview games, I just want to uh, put out there the poll results. Uh, we did from our Twitter handle, at Championship Pod. Uh, what was the Skybet Championship win of the weekend? And um, surprisingly, actually, Preston North End's victory 1-0 against Sheffield United received 48% of the votes. In second place, it was Sunderland versus Fulham with 35% of the votes. Um, third place, it was Middlesbrough's victory against Borough uh, with 12% and 5% voted otherwise. And that's probably, <laughs> that's probably the Derby victory, Andy, um, against, obviously, Aston Villa and um, maybe may the Wolves against Sheffield United. But I think we touched on it earlier, obviously, Sunderland winning at home the first yeah. time in the calendar year. So fair play to them because, obviously, uh, Chris Coleman's seems to slowly be steadying the ship there.
2: The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details.
1: We're going to review the games now. So if we want to, Andy, just discuss your team, uh, Derby's great victory against Aston Villa, who you beat 2-0, if you just want to talk us through that.
3: Yeah, um, absolutely delighted. Um, It was a good performance uh, all the way through. Scott Carson wasn't overworked in the goal. Uh, In the defence, Chris Baird, ever reliable at uh, right back. was keeping Andre Wisdom out of the team. But in the centre of defence, Richard Keogh uh, gave a defensive masterclass. And this season, Richard Keogh is playing the best football of his career. Um, come the end of the season, when they do the PFA awards, if he is not in the championship team, I'll, I'll, I'll be absolutely gobsmacked. But uh, Tom Huddleston had his best game in the Derby County shirt since he uh, rejoined us. Joe Ledley did his usual uh, role in midfield, picking up the loose balls, some nice passes. And then on, on to the attack, um, and Andre Spyman. Who's was like a new signing this season uh, under Gary Rowett, did that old trick of scoring against your former team. Uh, Matty Vidra turned in from a uh, scorer to supplier because he uh, supplied the cross to um, Vyman to score. And uh, up front, David Nugent uh, didn't get any goals but ran his legs off the whole game. But what was interesting in the game, if you look at the statistics... Aston Villa had over 60% possession, but it's, it's how we ourselves um, applied ourselves and uh, the way we didn't allow them to uh, create when they had the ball. Um, I'm sure their passing um, figures are very high, but it's the amount of times that they were forced into passing it sideways or, or backwards. And which really stacks the numbers up. Um, I, I, I realised that they were without uh, a few of their staff players, Henry Lansbury, I think Hutton, uh, John Terry were missing. They, they had a midfielder in defence. And Steve Bruce, for, for one reason or another, didn't play a recognised striker up front. But they still, even when they've got four or five players out injured, they still got a very, very strong squad. And uh, the way in which uh, Raoui must have planned for that game, he did his homework, um, didn't allow them to play um, the way Steve Bruce would have wanted them to. And we took advantage. And I think 2-0, you know, without trying to sound big-headed, flattered Aston Villa because it could quite have easily been 3-4-0 had it not been for their goalkeeper. So overall, absolutely delighted with the result. Um, I, w- I wasn't confident of beating them um, before kickoff, but uh, as more and more as as the game went on, uh, the, the, we looked the team who was going to who's uh, the most likely to win. So all in all, absolutely delighted and. Uh, uh, a good early
1: birthday present. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I am going to just say that. It's a great birthday present for you. And, and I think, I mean, I watched the Derby game back and they just seem to be growing in confidence as the season goes on. And I don't know if you remember, actually, Andy, I'm not blowing my own trumpet, but I was the one who tipped Derby this season to finishing the playoffs. And I'm putting it out there now. If I was going to pick a team to get promoted this season, it would be Derby County via the playoffs. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't want to jinx anything for you, but I think that, like I said, they're growing in confidence. They've got a good little team on paper. They seem to be getting the things what they've, you know, done wrong over the last season. They, they seem to be getting them right now. And, and the, a, a 2 0 victory against Aston Villa was a real good result. And, and like you said, it's not always about the possession. What I saw was that they were when they were going forward, it was very f- free-flowing football and and they were creating lots of opportunities. But I have got a question for you, and it's quite interesting. Obviously, Andreas Weimann scored um, the goal against Villa, and I know he spent a lot lot of time at Villa. Um, And I understand he he chose not to celebrate, is that correct? Do you know, I
3: I never actually... uh Never studied whether he celebrated or not. Uh, yeah, I,
1: I understand he didn't. I just wondered if, were you in, are you in favour of a player celebrating or not when they score against their old club? Because there's the old debate where obviously you can't win either way. Because if a player does celebrate, they see it disrespect, disrespectful to the some fancy it disrespectful to the opposition team. Um, but then when they don't celebrate. A lot of fans say, "Well, we're paying you so and you know x amount of money a week. You should, you know, be, have the right to to go out and celebrate." But when a, for me, when a player doesn't celebrate against a team, he's still put the ball in the back of the net. And if he chooses not to celebrate because he respects the other team, so be it. But I just wondered what your thoughts were on that with it happening this weekend. I don't mind
3: either way. To be quite honest, um, it, it, it's up to that individual player. I mean, we've had a, we've had a, some funny ones with Forrest. Because, you know, there's a lot of players that's played for Derby and Forrest. And a few years ago, Marcus Tudgay scored for Forrest against us. But he started his career at Derby. Derby, um, who gave him his chance in the professional game, he didn't celebrate. Now, Robert Earnshaw, on the other hand, who had a torrid time at Derby, uh, yeah, he... he Probably went a bit OTT when he celebrated scoring against us. Um, Chris Commons, another one, um, he, got a lot, he was getting a lot of stick off the Forest fans because he joined us on a, a free transfer from Forest. When he scored against Forest, he celebrated like mad. I suppose, he, I mean, it all depends on the circumstances and how they left. If you've had a, a, a good career at a team and uh, you move on and you score against them, you know, uh, probably you don't want to rub their noses in it. But on the other hand, if if it's a team you've left and it's somewhere where uh, you feel that you you weren't given the best of chances, uh, or, or you had to you know uh, an awful time playing for them, you, you'll want to celebrate. I mean, last last year there was, there was an example when we when we played Norwich, uh, Bradley Johnson. Now he didn't celebrate. But he, he looked over towards the then Norwich manager who said he, he wasn't good enough to play in the Premier League and that's why he let him join Derby. And he, he, he sort of gave that look across to the Norwich bench and sort of says, yeah, yeah, you know, you know what I mean. But uh, it, it, it's down to the individual at the end of the day. Um, one of the most surprising ones we had at Derby was um, when Patrick Bamford was on loan He's a forest lad through and through. Um, he, he went through their academy. He made a couple of appearances for the first team before Chelsea signed them, signed him. And he, he was probably the man of the match when we beat them 5-0 the other year. And he celebrated as heavily as anyone. So, you know, it's quite baffling um, uh, what some players think about it. But, you know... Um, I respect a player if he doesn't want to celebrate against us when he scored against us because he used to play for us, but I wouldn't deny them the right to celebrate either.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think it's player dependent and it's down to the individual. And and like Wyman, like I say, I think he spent a total, is it it six years maybe at Villa? Maybe even more. Um, So, for him not to celebrate, I think it just shows respect. So, I applaud him for that, but he's still, like I say, he's done his job and put the ball back in, the, uh, you know, put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, moving on to Leeds, then Kev, you had a, yeah. a good one-nil victory against Norwich. <laughs> I hear that it was, you know, I, I watched the highlights back, and I think the first twenty minutes were a bit of a dull affair. But what are your thoughts about the game?
0: Yeah, very doggy performance, really, against a, a team against Norwich. If you look at Norwich's squad, there's sort wonder of underachieving, I would say. They've got a magnificent team, really, but they don't seem to. be performing very well. Uh, Yeah, Janssen was the hero, really. Got a great uh, header from a Chibiki cross. Chibiki's a summer signing that hasn't really had a chance at Leeds. He made his... um, Long, uh, league debut at QPR coming on as a sub last week and he, he was magnificent. And he continued that, um, yesterday with a great cross for the goal. Uh, he looked very effective on the, uh, on the wing. Um, but Jansen, yeah, great goal by Jansen. And five minutes later, he's, um, stopping an, an Oliveira chance with a, a great backheader at the, on the, on the line. So all-round performance from Pontus Janssen was magnificent yesterday. I think he was the star man, but, um, it's also to Chibiki for a, a decent game. Hopefully he'll uh, go on a good run of games now. Saez was one of our better summer signings. Had a, had a good game, hit the post. Should have made it 2-0 later on to make it comfortable. It's never comfortable, obviously, when it's 1-0, and you, then you get six minutes of injury time. <laughs> All the fans start groaning. And obviously we have the linesman... The same linesman that we had at Middlesbrough, we gave the debatable penalty for uh, Middlesbrough. So, anything could have happened in those six minutes. But thankfully, we saw it out fairly well. Like I said, four wins in six now, which is a decent return. And we go into the next games now: Hull City, Burton, and Birmingham, and Forest—all winnable games. And hopefully, by the uh, well, by the time the window opens in January, we'll be in or, or around the uh, playoff spots, which will be a good. Uh, think to be after those wretched uh, run of the games when we lost about I don't know, six in eight games, I think it was. It was an awful uh, um, time of the season for us, We're losing so many games. But we seem to have bounced back from that a little bit now. And hopefully we can uh, end the year on, on a high.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, I think Leeds United are one of them teams who um, they're going to push on now. And I think they've had, I mean, it was November, wasn't it, roughly, where they had that dip when they didn't yeah. win many games and I think obviously they've come out of that slum now and, and seem to be kicking on. If if you were going to pick a position in the league standings where they're going to finish at the end of the season, Kev, where, where do you re- realistically see <coughs> Leeds United mm-hmm. finishing this season? I still see it as a
0: work in progress really because obviously the new coach, new players, new systems, everything, uh, the owners are doing things off the field as well, that changing the club around. Realistically, though, I think still, we should still be aiming for a top-six spot because I think we're very capable of beating anybody on our day. But then again, we're capable of going through a bad run as well. So it depends which Leeds United appears for the uh, second half of the season, I suppose. Hopefully we'll learn a lot from the defeats and we'll uh, put that into a, a good position for the last 23, 24 games of the season.
1: Yeah, like you say, it's, it's just such a tough league and like <laughs> you can just... You know, in, in, whoever you're playing in this league, you can easily win a game as you can lose mm-hmm. one. And I, I mean, I personally think that Leeds United should, you know, they should be in the top six again this season. And I think that they ultimately will finish fifth or sixth. Uh, but I'll just touch on the Wednesday game. Obviously, we played Friday night against Wolves, as everyone knows, who are top of the league. And um, to be honest, it was quite a neutral game. I thought both teams were pretty average, to be honest. Uh, the only positives I can take out of the game is that Sheffield Wednesday pretty much kept Wolves at bay they didn't have too many opportunities but a moment of brilliance from Ruben Neves if you've not seen that goal it was a very yeah, precise terrific, 20 terrific yeah, it, goal, was, yeah. it was 25 yeah. yard placement it, it practically passed it with power obviously mm. in, into the bottom corner posting in and, and that was how. as much as I can sum the game up it was quite even a draw maybe have been fair at the end but that's what £15 million gets you, you know, and they've took, obviously, another three three points and, and keep on climbing. The, the, the disappointing thing from a Wednesday perspective, again, is we've only had one shot on target. I mean, we came out second half and played what I thought a lot better. We probably edged the second half, but, you know, unless you, you know, if you're not scoring goals and it doesn't matter, you're not going to walk away with any points and and, and that summed it up for me. I thought it was pretty even, but that moment of brilliance did it for Wolves. And, and that's, you know, if, if you can win ugly, like they have done on Friday night, that's, you know, all the more reason that they're going to get promoted. Uh, but we'll move on to previews and predictions now. So back to you, Andy. I understand Derby take on Millwall on Saturday. So what's your preview and prediction for the game? Well, uh, first of all,
3: I think, what we've got to not let ourselves do is to beat one of the top sides in the division and then lose to a side further down the table because sometimes this season our less impressive performances have come against sides who are lower down. Um, I think now Rowett has now got the team, he's got a buzz about the team. I think he does his homework on the uh, opponents that are coming up, he he he, put, he, he names his team uh, and he plays them to exploit the the opposition's weaknesses. Um, Millwall, you know, not to be underestimated, as I've said. But uh, I I think um, we should have too much for them. Um, I don't think we'll crash them. We, uh, with the exception of Full City, we haven't really crashed anybody this season. We've ground out a lot of uh, victories. I know we won 3-0 at uh, Middlesbrough. But uh, it, it, it's one of those games. That it, it, it's one where, obviously, you're going to go into it with a lot of confidence. But uh, you, you've got to keep your feet on the ground because it could also turn out to be a banana skin but uh, a 1-0 or a 2-0 victory is, is what I think uh, should be on the cards uh, come next
1: Saturday tea time. Yeah I'd predict a 2-0 victory to Derby actually I think they'll, they'll win 2-0 again next weekend um, but Millwall, they're doing quite well this season to be honest and um, to say they're probably tipped to get relegated they they're slowly climbing the table and obviously had a great victory against um, Middlesbrough uh, this weekend. They beat them 2-1. So, But if I'm going to put it out there, yeah, I'd say that Derby should be taking the points in this one, especially with obviously the run of form that you're on. Uh, but then obviously, Kev, Leeds United take on Hull City. What's your preview and prediction for this game? Um, I was a bit disappointed I
0: thought he got sacked actually the other week Because I was hoping he'd be still there by the time we played him <laughs> I bet you were, I bet you
1: were yeah. <laughs>
0: but Because Atkins obviously You get a new manager in obviously new ideas And the team sort of peps up a little bit They, they got a good win against Brentford I believe the other week um, So it's going to be a tough game Obviously because Atkins will be coming to, to Try and prove a point as well uh, but I think it'll be another doggy performance, similar to yesterday's performance, really. I don't think there'll be much in it. Maybe one nil, 2-1 to Leeds. I think we will should have enough to win the game. Um, cause we've got to start performing at home again now. We've only won five home games this season. We, we should be winning more than that. So I'm hoping we'll finish. it be our final home game of the year as well. So it'd be nice to finish it on a high. We've we'll been getting good gates at on Road all season. Well over 30,000 for most of it. And I can see another big gate on Saturday as well. It'd be nice to finish the home season. Uh, home year, should I say, with a, a good victory that keeps us in a, in or around the playoffs. It's a, I'm pretty sure a victory, but it will be an easy one with the new manager for Hull being there.
1: Yeah, I think Leeds United will have too much for Hull City on the day. I know Hull are slowly, you know, with the new manager, Adkins, the, you know, they're the a work in progress and I think Hull City will be fine this season. I think they will slowly climb the table, but I think on the day, I think I'd predict that Leeds would probably win two-one as well. Um, I can't see nothing more than three points for Leeds on the day. Uh, but Sheffield Wednesday they face Middlesbrough. Um, <laughs> again, this is interesting because we've both mentioned that uh, Carvajal and Monk, you know, potential candidates to to be sacked in the new year. And I think both teams would probably be afraid to lose this one. Um, obviously, belong is the the striker to look out for. The opposition, in in my sense, and he scored 11 goals this season. But I think it'll be a bit of a nervy affair. I just hope to God Sheffield Wednesday can put in a decent performance, as well as you know picking up points. I mean, I'd love to say Wednesday are going to go and win this game, but like I say, I think both sides are going to be afraid to lose. So I can't <coughs> look past this being a draw. If I'm honest, if I'm going to predict a result, I would. I would say it's probably going to be one-one. And again, you know, by Christmas, with neither teams moved up or gone any further in the league, and um, I mean just we're pretend sat in f- you,
0: Just pretend you're playing Leeds, Louis. Should be all right.
1: Forget well, that's it. that's what's so frustrating <laughs> is because when obviously, as you know more than anybody, the the game when we played Leeds United, when we beat you three nil, is the best yeah. performance we've had at home this season, and uh, yeah. and, and at the time. I came on the podcast and we were thinking, right, we can kick on from here, we can slowly cool. climb the table and, and if anything, that game just stands out now as a, the best game we've probably had at home all season and every other yeah. game has been bang average except, you know, when we beat Fulham away and, and and that's about it if I'm if I'm honest. So this game against Middlesbrough yeah. Nervy affair, and I'm just going to predict a one-all draw. And we're, but we're, you know, we're struggling to score goals, and you know, we're, we're conceding as many as we do score as well at minute. So, yeah, I'm going to have to say a draw um, in that game. Uh, but unfortunately, guys, with that we are out of time. Um, so, if you'd just like to let everyone know where they can find you or any projects you are involved in, now would be a good time. Hi, Andy Buckley Taylor. Uh... On Twitter at booktaylor64,
3: uh, writing of a blog for the Derbyshire Times group of newspapers. And could I say, as this is likely to be my last podcast before Christmas season's greetings to all contributors and listeners?
0: Yeah, I'm Kevin Markey, editor of Legion United Mad. Uh, Twitter handle is Legion United underscore mad. Uh, I am editor of the Legion United Mad website. I'll also be on Sportsline Leeds tomorrow night on the Made in Leeds channel. So, any local people, tune into that and you'll see a little video of me pre- uh, reviewing the game yesterday in a jolly sort of way. And uh, have a jolly Christmas, everybody.
1: Yeah, you guys, I'm your host. So, you can follow me on Twitter at Louis Shackshaft or you can check out my website, louisshackshaft.com, uh, where you can view all my work on there, my articles, my blogging. Uh, interviews and Sheffield Wednesday statistics, you can check those out um, again, Merry Christmas to everyone if I don't speak to you beforehand um, but Merry Christmas to all our listeners and obviously a Happy New Year we will still be recording over the next few weeks so you can check out those shows, so remember to subscribe and download those uh, and also remember to follow our tweeters at at ChampionshipPod on Twitter, so thank you for listening and we hope you join us next time